to The Truth in This Art, your source for captivating conversations on arts and culture. I'm your host, Rob Lee. And today, I am thrilled to welcome my next guest, a devoted father of three boys, an angel investor, and the chief ecosystem and relationship officer at Upsurge Baltimore, where he works tirelessly to cultivate regional and national relationships and collaborates with a diverse set of partners to create more opportunities for tech sector growth and job creation, particularly for underestimated founders. Please welcome Corey Bailey. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for making the time. And um, I want to start off with you know, sort of this origin story, background sort sure, of question. Sure. So, you know, you tell us about your, can you tell us about your background growing, growing up in North Carolina? Yeah. You, uh, you said a cackalack or what, what are we doing here? Yeah, the North cackalack. Oh. Yeah. Shout out to Petey Pablo. Um, yeah, grew up in Durham, North Carolina. So, um, kid of the 80s and 90s. Uh, Durham was a really interesting place to be. Very, very much like Baltimore, um, a majority black city. Um, uh, a lot of folks lost their jobs after tobacco and textile industry went down, and and um, obviously when people lose opportunity, crime, um, you know, people are people are sort of out there in survival mode. So we had a lot of violence as well. Um, it's funny because you know we moved to Baltimore summer of 2018 and. Um, my dad, who's from Philly, uh, asked me a couple months in, what's Baltimore like? And I said, it's kind of like Durham meets Philly. It's got that that big city bone structure, uh-huh. um, but town folk live here. Like, people talk to you. <laughs> so growing up in Durham, you know, a tight-knit community, um, I still have a lot of friends, and my godmothers are there and holds a special place for me. But I uh, call Baltimore home now, and, and uh, you know, it's the place that I've lived over the last 10, 12 years that feels as close to home as, as possible. So uh, still got love for the Bull City, though, even though I'm a, I'm a Carolina guy. <sighs> this guy. Um, thank you. Thank you for that. And um, so I had this sort of second part to this question. Um, so having sort of that, that background and that foundational, I think you might be the second person from North Carolina that I've had on, which is interesting. We'll talk about the other one afterwards. You might know who, you, you might know. Um, so, do you, so talk about how maybe some of your experience in sports um, and some of like, you know, this, this other background that you have kind of helped as you shifted into being an entrepreneur, shifted into the work that you're doing today. Like, and I think this is why it's sort of that origin story question. Mm-hmm. What are some of those things from your past that may help you in what you're doing today? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, I, I grew up sort of loving two things, right? Sports and technology. Um, anything Nintendo, computers, Sega, you know, all, all of the games that that we would play and, and sort of downtime from playing sports, you, you tinker with things, and I enjoyed both. Um, I was a team sports guy, so I, I played baseball, basketball, football, even ran track. Like, I, I lettered in four sports in, in high school because uh, I was the kid that just couldn't sit down and, and, and the kid who loved being around people. Yeah. Um, and in particular, football, which I was able to play in college at UNC and then for a couple of years after, um, I believe it's one of the greatest team sports because it takes all kinds of people to, to build a successful team. Um, you know, there were black kids on the team, white kids, kind of big, big folks, little folks, intellectuals and crazy folk. Like <laughs> you needed all kind of people to sort of round out a really good team. But ultimately what it came down to was could everyone build trust together? 
Uh, could they commit to one purpose, one mission? Uh, and could they go out and execute yep. together um, with that shared shared vision? Um, and, and ultimately, that's that's great training ground for entrepreneurship, uh, especially um, in the tech world. You, you have to have trust in the people you're building with. Um, you've got to be committed to it. You've got to know it's going to be hard and there's going to be changes um, and pivots along the way. Um, so growing up in sports, and I think any athlete can attest to this, it just sort of builds your uh, capacity for change, uh, for challenge, um, and for sort of reaching a shared goal, shared opportunity. So um, I'll always attribute um, any any team that I'm on that's successful sort of to the background of, of being an athlete and being in sports. Thank you. That, that's the, the, the best possible version of that answer. So <laughs> shout out to you. I love that. Uh, I've, I've had different versions of that. Yeah, man. It's like when you tackle somebody, right? It's great. <laughs> It's like it you feels so good. You can't do that. In the <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I think it's, it's it's really interesting. As you were describing it, it made me think of two different things. And they're, I, I, everything is a movie reference for me, right? Yeah. And I started thinking of like some of these football movies, like The Replacements or what have you. You mentioned the crash. Like, I immediately thought of um, like the linebacker in the movie or what have you that's... Um, He's, the, he's a director now, have you, and Keanu Reeves is a very different dude in the movie, and you yeah. have these different personality types that are coming together for sort of this, this shared goal under like adversity, it's the middle of a strike, and they're scabs and all of that different stuff. And then I think of some of the dynamics that we're in, sort of a, diff, a different setting, um, and definitely comedy and all of that, but like The Wolf of Wall Street. There's a lot of different personalities in that movie. No one's doing anything great in it. You know what I mean? Everyone's, you know, terrible. But just seeing, like, they're all going towards a certain goal, and it's just different personalities, but somehow they connect, like, Voltron for that particular, like, goal. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true in any industry, right? Like, you, it takes people with different experiences, different skill sets, different passions even, you know, to, to come together and build something great. Um, there's, there's data out there that supports, you know, diverse teams, diverse leadership groups. Um, those businesses always outperform the ones that are just, you know, cookie-cutter versions of, of the same person at each level, right? But um, I love that. I, lo I love making sports analogies and, and movie references, too. And, you know, Remember the Titans is probably the quintessential... People of difference come together to to do something great story and and uh, I know that we got a Jeff Cherry is an old T C Williams coach so shout out to Jeff who's doing some great stuff in our ecosystem as well. Okay. I see your strong side of people when I was in office. That's a whole story. Uh, so you know you you touched on it. You touched on tech. So I got I got to go into it. Um, what is Equitech for those who aren't adept? Yeah, sure. I mean it's 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 language that we've sort of come up with. Um, at Upsurge to describe this vision that we have for Baltimore of being the most inclusive tech economy in the world, really. Um, we've seen sort of what Tech City 1.0 looks like, right? San Francisco, Boston, um, Tech 2.0 is kind of Pittsburgh, Detroit, Nashville, Austin. Um, and in each one of those cases, a byproduct of their growth in the tech sector was gentrification, yeah. dislocation. Um, the real uh, people who provide history and culture for those cities being moved out, you know, Brooklyn, Harlem, they're not the same places as they used to be because of gentrification. And um, I firmly believe that 
Baltimore is primed to grow, yeah. but the culture of Baltimore won't allow for uh, gentrification and dislocation. So we have to have smart ways to grow. We have to do it in a different way than those cities did. So Equitech is the language of what we believe Tech City 3.0 should look like, um, inclusive growth um, and the opportunity for everyone from every zip code to feel like they belong in tech yeah. um, and that they can grow a successful business here. So how you, you mentioned upsurge, so I, I, I asked the question out of order, maybe intentionally, but and, and thank you for that answer. It's like, you know, it's, it's like a combination of words, you know. <laughs> so how how did you get connected to like upsurge? Like and what what is about like upsurge that really resonated with you and like brought your attention to put your time, effort? I'm seeing you everywhere. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. out there with that banner, that flag, if you will. Well and that's a great question and I'll I'll answer it in a way that hopefully resonates because um, this is what happens in Baltimore. This is the magic of Baltimore. Uh, these serendipitous sort of uh, close ties and connections that happen. Um, you know it I was coming out of the pandemic, um, looking for my next opportunity um, to make an impact on the city and sort of just looking into the different uh, tech opportunities. And I got a call from a friend of mine, Jason Bass, who you probably know, um, who take one step behind. He and our uh, sons were all at the same school downtown. Take a step further back than that, I ended up finding out he was the um, Baltimore entrepreneur and creative that took a reporter around for a Southwest Magazine article that I read when I came to House Hunt here. I was referred to that article by my good friend Juan Webster, who I went to school with at UNC. Well, then you know who I'm talking about then from earlier. And, and it's, just, it's just one connection to the next, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm getting ready to take this tech opportunity. I have an a, um, a, a offer in hand, negotiating some of the terms, and he sends me the job description for Upsurge. Mm. And he says, I, I think you would be perfect for this. I told Jamie McDonald about you. She's our CEO. And I said, hey man, this looks phenomenal. Yeah. Like inclusive tech growth, I'm all about that. Like sign me up, but I'm getting ready to take this other opportunity. And he said, well, I'll just intro you guys and let you guys take it from there. Um, made an email intro. I was actually getting ready to head out west um, on a family history project that I was doing to meet with my uncles. Um, and she said, hey, before you sign that other offer, like let's, let's talk. Uh, so a phone call the next day, we were scheduled to talk maybe a half an hour, ended up talking for an hour and a half, and she sort of laid out the, this 10-year vision for how we could grow the, the tech economy in Baltimore, how we could do it in a different way than most cities did. And by the end of that conversation, uh, she said, this feels right to me. And I said, it feels right too. Yeah. Um, and so we, you know, I ended up calling that other company the next day and saying, hey, I've, I've, I've got good and bad news. Good news is I, I get to be in Baltimore and working in tech. Uh, bad news is I'm, I'm not going to be doing it with you guys. And, and they completely understood my, my, my passion, my heart. Um, and, and what I wanted to see for the city was sort of wrapped up in this opportunity to join Upsurge. So the rest, as they say, is history. And two years later, um, I think we're making both incremental and some some sort of um, more more big step process progress, excuse me, in, yeah. in tackling this Equitech vision. It, it'll take a long time because uh, there's a lot of systems and a lot of um, sort of 
historical things that we need to unravel, but um, we're going to get there. Thank you. That's that's great. And, and being in that position where you have to choose something that actually you feel here. Yeah. That's that's important. And uh, I've I've been in at a few different times of like, hey, you should go here. You should relocate for this. And it's like, nah, it's just it's great. It it, it makes sense on paper, but I'm not feeling it here. I feel I feel like a mercenary. You know, I'm not feeling it here. Um, but I think when you're able to align something that satisfies you from, I guess, a professional standpoint, mm-hmm. but also satisfies the, the sort of soul, that's, that's the thing, that's the sweet spot. Yeah, it's, it's perfect alignment. And I've always been a kind of follow your heart kind of guy. You know, my friends from back home will tell you, you know, Corey's one of the sensitive ones out there. And I'm cool with that. I, I, I fully step and embrace that, that sensitivity and can be connected to masculinity. Shout out to D. Watkins for his, his book, Black Boy Smile. Shout out to D. <laughs> that, that was validation for me. So, um, yeah, it's, it's always good to feel like you're living your purpose um, and that your work and your job both align. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my work has always been bringing people together across lines of difference and, and um I think doing that in innovation and in tech and in sort of the next um, wave of where black excellence, I think, will make its mark is is rewarding for me. That's great. So in talking about sort of this this vision for Upsurge, Equitech, um, Tech City uh, 3.0. Yeah, yeah, 3.0. So what are some of those like key steps along the way and some of those sort of challenges that may, may be present in, in terms of, you know, some of the historical factors, some of those barriers that are there? Um, you know, I, I see because of the nature of what I'm doing, you know, I see some of the shifts and I see like, oh, this is interesting. This is going well. And then I can see why some people may like, what is that? I don't know what that is. So, so speak on that for a bit. Yeah, no, I, uh, it's, it's an interesting question because um, I like to look through the lens of opportunity more so than challenge. But in a, yeah. in a place like Baltimore and the more I'm learning about it and its history, um, it's the blueprint for a lot of challenge, right? Mm-hmm. Redlining. Um, you know some of the the historical um, friction between Baltimore City and, and state government, right? And it being the biggest city here, so I'm still sort of in the learning process okay. for for how to navigate all of those intricacies. But the opportunity is ripe. I mean, Baltimore is just perfectly positioned, um, both physically and sort of um, culturally to make this step forward. Yeah. Uh, the challenging part is um, it takes constant trust building. Uh, it takes constant effort um, and alignment, and it takes partnership and collaboration. Yeah. Um, Baltimore has a history of, of sort of being siloed and, and people being sort of um, protective of their piece of the pie, if you will. This is true. Um, but I think that there are a new number of leaders um, that this spirit of sort of alignment and collaboration is coming, but some of those old ways always sort of creep in. So we have to be in constant trust building mode, we have to be in constant partnership partnering mode, um, and we just have to increase the appetite for collaboration across the city in a lot of different sectors, but in tech specifically. So. Talking about like the role that you're, you're you have within Upsurge um, Baltimore, you have uh, I'm reading here uh, Chief Ecosystem and Relationship Officer. Yeah. So, so what what does that entail? Because like I, I'm I'm a lowly podcaster. 
I know how to talk into a mic, and some people like it. I, I don't know, but so what does your role entail, and and, and what is it about? And, and I think I have a piece of it. You know, you described um, earlier, just kind of like being one of those people that can connect to folks. Yeah, and, yeah. So what is it about, like you as an individual, that just like that's absolutely for me? <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, think about what we describe as an ecosystem, right? Is the people, places, and resources that exist in a certain geography. Um, and I like to think regionally focused, like how can I pull the activities and the, the intellect and all of these different forms of capital in the, in the whole mid-Atlantic region into Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to understand, you have to be in constant listening and learning mode. Um, you have to think very critically about what the levers to progress are, and then you have to do, sort of design um, you know your approach and your programming to 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 meet that that need that you're out there there finding, and the difficulties are that a lot of the challenges that exists across our country also exist in Baltimore, and in some ways are even more challenging because of the um, the history and the sort of um, challenge that has was started and existed. It still exists here to this day. Um, I will say that. I sort of naively jumped into this the first year thinking like, man, this is going to be the place for black entrepreneurship, full stop. Right. And we're going to be a part of that because we're in the, te- in the, in the most you know, tech, high growth, um, emerging market space, right? Yeah. Um, but a lot of the entrepreneurship that's happening here are community businesses, small businesses. Um, and there is a big effort and push to get more black ownership of, of downtown businesses as well. Um, we also have to take, think of the lens of when we say tech growth, um, we want any entrepreneur to be able to be successful here. We have to tell those success stories and have those proof points where companies are raising large amounts of money, um, exiting their companies for 10, you know, 10x than the, what they started. Um, and a lot of those companies doing that to date are frankly, white-led, right? They're coming out of the universities, they're coming out of Hopkins. So we have to do a little bit more grassroots building towards um, having more parity in in terms of the percentages of of demographics in our city. Um, And also, you want to be helpful to the person who has a community-based business. So if if you're kind of screaming that your lane is tech, um, you have to work in collaboration to make sure everyone is supported and that you know the right sort of uh, places to send those entrepreneurs. So for me, I'm like, come on, come all, let's do this. Um, you know, when I first started this work, I would my friends would be like, well, what are you exactly trying to do? I said, man, we're trying to turn Baltimore into Wakanda, man. Like, <laughs> this is about to be the place for culture, tech, innovation. We're about to do it all. Um, and you have to realize it's no one organization's responsibility to do it all. You have to do it in collaboration with the organizations that are already out there um, and have been for a long time leading this work. So um, we're getting to the place, I think, where we're finding our lane. And, and for me, it's about continuing to build trust, continuing to understand what everyone does well, and how can we put that into a model for our founders to succeed. I'm hearing the, the theme, the collaboration, the, the, the different personalities coming together that sort of where we started at. So yeah. I'm hearing that and I love that. So 
I read over a bit of the 2030 report. Um, so Equitech, I mean, sorry, um, Upsurge Baltimore is like uh, Equitech 2030 mm -hmm. report. So what were some of the, like, the, the key themes and, and recommendations that were there? Like, how did we get to some of these things? And I know the collaboration is a big piece of it. I And, and I 100% and I, and I agree. Yeah. And I kind of get that. I think we are too siloed, whether it be from... You know, from I don't go over east. It's like yeah. it's twenty minutes away. What are you saying? Yeah. Or um, that's you know, frankly, that's white people stuff. I don't do that. So how do how do we kind of foster like you know what are some of those themes that are there? What are some of those um, recommendations that are there that are in that report? Yeah, and you hit the nail on the head, right? Like we have to um, broaden our perspective, and the reason why we use language like belonging and welcoming, like. It's because of what you said, right? Um, I worked for a startup in Indiana, and I was the only black employee there for two years. Mm -hmm. So um, a lot of the times we feel like we don't belong in those spaces. So we have to create that environment and that culture of belonging in tech. And the Equitech 2030 report was, was born out of our upsurge teams process. Uh, the first summer of... of um, our work, we brought together over 200 uh, Baltimoreans, m many of them from here, but also that live in other places um, that wanted to contribute to this, this thinking. Um, and we challenged each team that we brought together to think about some recommendations that could be really quick wins in, in their industry or activity focus. Um, what were some systems change efforts that we yeah. can start to think about? Because a lot of this is about like, you know, reimagining more equitable systems and practices. Um, and then what were some moonshot ideas that, you know, if, if Baltimore could accomplish this by 2030, that would really put us on the map for cybersecurity or life sciences or inclusive entrepreneurship or um, veteran entrepreneurship. Like we, we had probably um, 18 different um, industry or activity focuses. Um, some of those are starting to come to fruition. We have a, um, a really interesting group of veteran leaders that have been meeting to talk about how they could create some, um, some density. So yeah, so coming out of the upsurge teams process where we were getting recommendations from um, Baltimoreans in these different uh, industries and, and activities, um, now we're, there's a really interesting group um, of veteran leaders that have been talking about how to create sort of a, um, a place-based opportunity for veteran entrepreneurship, workforce development and growth. Um, we're starting to um, really lean into um, a digital health strategy. There's a lot of different regulations that are being changed in that industry. Um, that are going to force the need for some different um, technologies um, that are currently being developed here in yeah. Baltimore. Uh, so we see that there's an opportunity for there to be sort of a center of gravity for that activity here. Um, inclusive entrepreneurship. I mean, we, we talk at nauseum about how to open up capital for underrepresented groups. You probably know, you've heard the stat, 95% of venture capital goes to uh, white male-led companies, less than 5% goes to everyone else, right? So Small piece of that pie. <laughs> it's a very small piece, um, and even smaller as you get you know, to more underrepresented groups. Black entrepreneurs, less than 2%. Black women entrepreneurs, less than 1.2%, right? So wow. um, it gets smaller and smaller. Um, 
but the but the 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 beauty of it is especially here in Baltimore. I mean, you missed you mentioned Crystal Burger um, um, earlier. We have a very strong base of Black women entrepreneurs here um, and Black entrepreneurs. Period. Um, one of the fastest growing companies, Fearless, uh, led by Delali Zarasa. Um, one of the biggest excellent exits in Maryland over the past um, five or six years, Thrive Earlier Detection, which was started by Isaac Kende. So um, people need to know these stories. They need to know about it. And so that upsurge team's process allowed us to really hone in on what could we do to move the needle in each one of these industries or focuses um, and what would be a big leap forward for us. So um, we still have those recommendations. We're working on sort of building out a dashboard so that we can give some visibility into um, progress towards those. But coming back to the theme, we can't do that alone, nor should we. There's organizations out there that specialize in um, digital equity. There's organizations out there that specialize in um, sort of capital attraction and growth. Um, so we have to sort of you know, lean into the leaders in those different industries and those different focuses um, and support you know, the growth of those sectors or activities um, the best way we know how. So it has to be a group effort. And like you said, there's no shortage of organizations um, and companies and, and corporations in Baltimore that can provide the leadership in some of those activities. And so we, we just need to understand who they are, partner with them, give them the resources or, or support they need. Um, overall, tell a, a much better story for Baltimore, put tech on the map as part of that, um, and just move forward. Thank you. Yeah, and I think <clears throat> I think it's, it's interesting where, you know, I, I was able to interview Delali, so shout out to Delali. But yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you know, as I'm as I'm listening to it, we to what you're you're saying, it's like I'm just thinking like, yeah, this this makes sense. And even going back to one of the things you, you touched on earlier with some of the previous iterations, Tech one, Tech City One, Tech City Two, what have you, which feels like a Robocop reference. I don't know, <laughs> right? Um, I, I I see it there, and it brings up this question, and and I'll throw it in here. Um, how does a city like keep what makes it unique? while like growing and moving that needle and i think you've touched on it but you know I, i'll say what i think and you chime in if you will but i think it's still like collaboration yeah i think if you're you're keeping folks out for whatever reason like some of these other cities may have done then it's just oh this is this city is just not its unique thing anymore yeah it's like when you think of what is the um visual language of a place what are the hallmarks of a place and then it's just like, oh, we're trying to copy DC. We're trying to copy this. Then you lost the thing that makes you unique. Yeah, you don't want to copycat at all. And and the more I experience and live and love Baltimore, the the more confident I am that that's not going to happen here. Yeah. Um, you know, I I always like to say that Equitech sits sort of at the epicenter of culture and innovation. Um, just the same way that, you know, um, black culture has sort of become popular culture. Yes. Music, fashion, like streetwear is high fashion now. Hip-hop is mainstream music now, right? But there's still sort of that, that um, authenticity and that, that element of culture built into it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, there's, it's no secret that some of the fringe thinkers, the creatives, the innovators, the artists, 
they all sort of overlap. Yeah. And they like to be in the same spaces together. And in Baltimore, that's easy to do. I mean, we run into each other how many times in the last couple of months? Like four or five, maybe three in the last week, right? Yeah. And, and I think that says something about the opportunity that we have to grow in a way that still embraces that culture, still embraces that identity. Um, and Baltimore's identity is, 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 you know, it's resilient but joyous. Mm-hmm. It's um, challenged but prideful. Like, there's a lot there yeah. to, to, to sort of play with in Baltimore. And um, I really, really think that there's an opportunity for tech to be a part of that, that story and how it grows. Um, and just like anything, like, you just can't let it consume, right, and, and take over. And the things that happened in Tech City 1.0 and 1.2 happened. Um, we want to hold on to that culture because it's rich. We want that history to inform how we grow because it's important that it does. Because it has to be cultural preservation there. And I noticed one thing that you did subtly. You mentioned like Wakanda. You you were kind of doing this as you were talking. I was like, all right, it's like put your arms down, sir. But you're yeah. not. But you're not wrong. And I, I think. Yeah, when we have these sort of things, it's like, this is the version of it. We've seen it done in these different places. Now let's actually build it maybe better and let's plan out what this is going to look like and let's you know, truly work in a way that's inclusive, that has sort of these, these different partners that are a part of the conversation versus the move that some places make. Or like I, I think of organizations when they come from a leadership perspective, and I think when they do it right, they do a listening tour and they get a sense of what yep. is the climate versus there's a new sheriff in town. It's like, all right, Reggie Hammond, ch- chill out. Like, we're, we're done here. That's another movie reference for you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, and I think seeing folks in sort of the same spaces and there there have been things that have happened here that sort of lead to those things. I remember the conversation around digital divide and, you know, just I, I remember I had um, had one of the guests on um, who was responsible for kind of like think think Kimberly was responsible for trying to you know remedy that mm-hmm. some of the issues we had with Comcast and I just remember there was a lot of stuff brought up during the beginning of the pandemic like I know my internet wasn't working yeah <laughs> and it's like you, it's almost like they don't do tech there they don't have anything there and who cares but it's like but if you were shown that we do or the other piece of it. And starting this, the whole, I guess, reasoning behind this, to try to unlock and remind people of sort of that pride you should have from where you're from. Yeah. And if you have all of these different things here, I think this podcast shows it, and a lot of the work that other people are doing shows it. Oh, that person is doing that. You know, they don't. You have an emerging like tech like uni- universe that's happening in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Well, here, here's a whole interview about it. You should check out that website. You should see more about this. Yeah. And having sort of that pride in unlocking that, like. When I think about, you know, the vision and whether someone fits in what I want to talk about in doing this and fits into the whole, like, larger body of work, it always goes back to, you know how New Yorkers walk around? Yeah. You, they, they don't let you, you know, talk wild about New York. Yeah. And for a bit, people really didn't care. They were kind of believing that, oh, Baltimore's not worth your time, your energy, and so on. And I think kind of saying it with your chest, out, like, yeah, it is. I think that's important. I think tech is a big piece of that. So the work that you and Upsurge are doing, that's a piece of it. It's a big yeah. piece of it. I, you know, I think love of place is vitally important to how it grows, um, to how it's portrayed, to how people talk about it. And um, our theory that is being proven out is the more time people spend in Baltimore, the more they really understand 
how wonderful of a place it is. Yeah. Um, you know, even before moving here, people asking me, Baltimore? Why, why, why are you moving to Baltimore? You sure, bro? <laughs> Don't you have kids? Don't you want them to be safe? And I'm like, look, my kids are going to be safe because they're with me. Yeah. Um, and I don't prejudge any place until I'm there and experience it. You know, I fortunately was able to play ball in New York for a year, went, moved to Canada and, you know, said, why am I moving to Canada? But went there and had a, had a great experience. Um, lived in Arizona for three and a half years. All, my, all three of my sons were born out there. So I don't prejudge any place. Yeah. And Baltimore to me felt like, you know, especially on the recommendation of my good buddy Juan Webster, he said, man, you're going to love it here. It's yeah. a city like ripe for progress. Um, I think he told me he was supposed to be on like a six-month six assignment or something. And six years later at the time, you know, he was like, I'm still here, man. <laughs> and I'm loving it. So uh, love of place is definitely a part of that. Um, and to your earlier point, you know, um, a lot of times people do want to sort of um, move too quickly and say they have all the right answers and not listen to the people that, that it's going to impact. And um, it's a good reminder that we need to constantly be listening, yeah. um, then thinking critically, and then designing, right? It should be listen, think, design in that, in that order, and it should be repeated over and over again. Um, so that you know that your your finger is on the pulse of what people really need and where the opportunities really are. Um, and sometimes we substitute um, expediency for intentionality, right? You've got to be intentional about how you build. And so um, that's a great reminder that listening matters. And so that's our intent, man. Like we, you know, everybody wants to move quick and, and get it done now. Yeah. Um, but you can't unravel 400 years of, of really terrible history in two, right? No, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work that way. It's a lot of stuff. And I think when you have that sort of expediency, you're, the, the, the foundation has to be set, Yeah, you know, and using the, the, the building analogy, I suppose. So, no, that works. And <clears throat> I think that's a good spot for us to move into the rapid fire portion. Yeah, here podcast. we go. You know, the part that most people kind of like, come on, man, why are you asking me? I thought we were good. I thought we were making, I thought we were collaborating. I thought we were making community here. Now you're about to put me on the spot. So I got six of them for you. And, you know, they're, they're quick questions, you know, quick answers. Uh, so here's the first one. Last book you read? Oh, man. Um, probably Black Boy Smile. Yeah. D. Watkins, shout out. Uh so let's say tomorrow we have superpowers. What would, what would your superpower be? Oh man, if I could if I could uh, inject love into people, that's what I would do. I know that, I know that's not like the popular one, like flying or X-ray vision or anything like that. Like if I could increase people's capacity to love, that would be my superpower. Let's get superpower. Uh, dogs or cats? Dogs. Uh, uh, if you could have dinner with any historical figure. Uh, who would it be? Man, um, I know he's not technically a historical figure, but my grandfather, Edward uh, Bailey. I never got a chance to meet him. I think about him often. Um, famous historical figure, um, probably Malcolm X. Find him, find him his story and his life interesting. Um, yeah. Okay. 
That was a, that was a good answer. I mean, you're, you're batting a thousand right now. So all right. To take it back to baseball. For all right, all right, all right. Uh, <laughs> see, see, look, I'm all butts, all butts. <laughs> just using that speed, get out of line. Yeah, I'm just like, yo, can I get hit by a pitch? That'll be great. <laughs> I'm on base, baby. Let's yeah, go. Just high OB- OBS. Uh, favorite food? Oh man, I love seafood. Okay. I'm a fan, and, and living in Maryland, those <laughs> crab cakes. We'll get you some cocos. That's 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 that one's on the house. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna share with you, and I like cocos. I'm gonna share with you my my crab cake recipe before we get out of here today. Oh yes, because uh, you know I, I throw it out. Uh, lastly, this is the last rapid fire question: um, coffee or tea? Tea. Never got into coffee. Hmm. Been a tea guy. Okay. I think it's because my parents drink it black. And when you're a kid, you know this. Oh yeah, hey, I'm, look, black power to to the end. But um, I don't know. I was a I was a soda pop guy when I was a kid, and now, now I'm a tea guy. Yeah, I, 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 they have this running bit at a place I go to regularly uh, for coffee. They're like, it's thirty degrees. You still get nice coffee? I was like, yes, and black. Thanks. It's <laughs> a lot of stank on it when I order my coffee. I order my coffee with stank. Love it. So. In these final moments here, I want to open it up for you. Um, this is about sharing. It's about community. It's about all that good stuff. Um, the floor is your, yours. Uh, share anything you want to share in the final moments here. Um, website, social media, anything that you want to share as we wrap up here. Yeah, I mean, if you want to learn more about the work we're doing uh, towards this Equitech vision at Upsurge, you can visit the website um, at UpsurgeBaltimore.com. Um, Follow me on Instagram at Corey with a K, K O R Y, Bailey 12. Um, we do a weekly happy hour at Guilford Hall Brewery from 6 to 8 every Tuesday called Equitech Tuesday. Um, you, you're liable to meet the person who can get you into tech, can find your next tech career, can build a company with as your co founder. Um, and even the mayor popped in unannounced the uh, the other week. So it's always a place where you're going to meet creatives, innovators, and people who are really trying um, their best to, to work towards the benefit of Baltimore. Thank you. Well, there you have it, folks. I want to again thank Corey Bailey for coming on. I'm Rob Lee saying that there's tech, community, in and around Baltimore. You just have to look for it.